Hi, this is Alana Oliver, and you are listening to Family on the Rock, a podcast exploring marriage, parenting, and theology through the lens of Christ our Rock. I'm here with my husband, Justin. Join us today as we seek to honor God with our discussion. Hey, Justy. Hey, Lanny. So tonight is a special, special night. Special night. We are going to get right into it because we want to use the time we have. Um, we have a lot of ground to cover. But uh, my sister is getting married tomorrow. How exciting. Wedding bells are on. Yeah. So uh, a bit of a unique situation. She is in Germany right now. She moved there a few months ago to marry um, Thomas, who she met online a couple months ago. A little dream boat. <laughs> Um, they are perfect for each other. We're super happy. Uh, but we're kind of sad that they're getting married, um, in Germany and not here because obviously we're not going to be there tomorrow. Um, we are going over in August for the big, the big wedding, but you know, with the cake and the church, but tomorrow is more like, what would you say? Like a justice of the peace type thing. As far as I understand. Yes, that's exactly it. (laughs) Okay. So, um, that said, we thought tonight, since we're thinking about them, praying for them, um, we would do a podcast dedicated to them and just give them some, I don't know, what do you want to say? Pearls of wisdom that we've learned in our marriage. Yeah. Surprising things that maybe we didn't anticipate. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Things that we didn't really know about marriage until we were married. Uh, we had really good premarital counseling, as we spoke about before, but some things still shock you, right? Yes, every every day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just get right into it. So Julianne and Thomas, we love you. This is for you. Okay, number one, um, what surprised you most about marriage? Number one, go. Well, I think after thinking about this, probably the number one thing that surprised me about marriage and living it out is that more than anything, marriage is about your holiness over your happiness. Mm -hmm. I think this is where a lot of people get it wrong these days. Once they're just going through a spell of unhappiness, they call it quits, and that just tends to be the way things go. But we need to remember that God has made marriage, and he made it primarily for your holiness. It's laid out in the scriptures like 1 Peter and Ephesians and Romans, that it's laid out for your sanctification and your your holiness. Right. And I think that Hollywood sets this standard like, you know, if somehow you run into a place in your life where you're unhappy in your marriage, even if it's not your spouse causing the unhappiness, you know, if you're just suddenly changing as a person or whatever, you know, it's okay to bail. Um, It's actually, God says it's not. Um, And we don't think that you know, God has been good to, you obviously married the spouse that you did for a reason, right? Like you like that person for the most part. Um, I like you. I like you most of the time. Uh, but there have been, (laughs) but there have been times in our marriage where it's been hard to, to like you, you know, and we've had to work on our relationship. What What are you talking about? I'm amazing. (laughs) You are pretty amazing. (laughs) But, um, yeah, sometimes you do have to work at it and everybody says that that's one thing that you'll hear a lot of that cliche. It's it's definitely cliche. Like, you know, the honeymoon phase will be over soon enough. It's more than that. It's more about, you know, even think about a trial when it enters your life, you're not happy. And sometimes you can pull away from your spouse in that time. But what we have learned Um, especially, you know, with our miscarriages and stuff like that, is that those things are meant to draw us together. Mm. And as we are drawn together, we are sanctified together. And that oneness becomes really real to us. You know, that oneness of, 
being one person together. And uh, so while you're not always going to be happy in your marriage, I guarantee that you won't always be happy. 100% certified guarantee. Yes. One thing that is going to remain true is that God wants you to be holy. So find opportunities to thank him for the sanctification, right? Like the trials that you have um, are bringing you one degree of glory to the next. So praise God for that. So that's number your number one, right? That's my number one. And I'd be curious to hear what's your number one. All right. So my number one is how reassuring I have found it to allow you just to be the leader of this family. I'm not sure I always do a good job of like telling you that, but I really do appreciate your leadership. And it's quite comforting um, to know that the decisions, the big decisions that we make in this family um, are ultimately between you and God. Like I pray for you. You consult me. I, I am your number one person who you consult on big decisions, right? Um, next to the Lord. And I appreciate that. And I know that you take what I say into consideration when you make a decision. And I know that every decision you make for us, um, for example, you know, buying this home that we're in right now, that was a big decision because it came very pregnant. It was crazy. And I remember that was a hard decision that you wrestled with and I left it up to you. And I'm so glad you made the decision that you did because we love it here. But just knowing that you have the final say in those things is actually something that I've really loved. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of people get this wrong. Like you said, they think, well, that's misogynistic. So how would you, what would you say to that? I would say that it's very freeing. Actually, I feel very liberated in knowing that I have a husband who makes his decisions based on God's word first, and then my counsel second and my good and my children's good third, I guess, or, you know, those two things are kind of intermingled, but I know that the decision, the the decisions you make are not for you. And I really love that about you and you do that very well. So thank you, hon. Oh, I appreciate it. And that's actually, you've really hit the nail on the head. Being ahead is actually, it's not being misogynistic. Being ahead literally means a servant leader. You and the kids are first, and I'm the one who comes last. And that is awesome. Yeah, and I think that um, the pastor that spoke at our church this past weekend said it best when he said, you know, being the head of the home or being a servant leader as a husband is making sure that your wife is taken care of first. She gets the better car. She gets priority. Like that's what it is. And your decisions are based around allowing her to get the best. You know what I mean? The best of the situation. So that's my number one. Okay. Number two for you. So my number two, uh, for my most surprising thing that I learned in marriage was trying to be understanding of your spouse's emotions or character. Um, You know, a lot of the times, I'm sure we've all run into this, certain things may seem a huge deal to your spouse, but then to you, you're like, I don't get it. This isn't a big deal. Who cares? And I can honestly say that, that honestly, coming from experience to you, because I I don't always validate your feelings, it's a form of disrespect. Mm. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Like, I think what you said right there is good, that it's important sometimes to validate feelings. Sometimes your feelings can be nonsense, right? Like sometimes I feel things and, and you're good to be like, now you shouldn't feel that way. Stop feeling that way. Cause God's word says this. However, um, 
sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes you have to grieve with me um, over yeah. things that are grieving my heart. And sometimes you have to mourn with me over those things and vice versa. So that's a good number too. Yeah. And sometimes I think like when we look at scripture, we look at first Peter three, seven, and he says to talk to your wives in an understanding way. I think sometimes some of the things that I've tend to struggle with is I'll, I'll look at, at the situation and maybe I'll brush it off as not a big deal so that you're reassured that it's okay. But I think that it's just important just to talk to your spouse through it, talk them through it and let them know that it's all right. Yeah. Um, I think a good example of that is my C-section that I had yeah, with Hannah. Yeah, yeah. Like you didn't quite understand why I cared so much about, you know, I didn't want a C-section and you were like, well, who cares? Whatever. She's going to get born. It's not a big deal. And that's totally true. Um, but for example, I was just feeling sad that I wasn't going to have the birth experience that I had with our older two kids, which was more natural. Right. Um, and you found it hard to sympathize with me in that, didn't you? I did. And honestly, uh, you know, I've, I've, I felt really bad about that. And ever since then we have talked about it, but it's true. I did struggle to find what the big deal was that, but we worked through that and Mm -hmm. this is how we learn. We did work through it. And honestly, um, I felt that back then, but now hindsight is twenty twenty, and I really, yeah. I don't really care how she was born. I'm just glad that she's here because she's adorable. But um, in the moment, yeah, like that—that that was a lesson that was learned, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, my number two is uh, about intimacy. I knew that intimacy was important, obviously, in a marriage, but I just didn't really understand. Um, that it would be kind of hard to achieve at times. So I mean that on a couple different levels. So number one, um, with sex. Uh, Let's just have a full-on conversation here about sex right now. Um, Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Um, we We had never had sex before we were married with each other, and it was a learning curve in the sex department. Like, it was good at first, but... Uh, you know, two inexperienced people who don't understand, you know, how each other feels and works. Like, it will take time to have a really, really rockin' sex life. (laughs) Like, it's only gonna get better with time if you put the work in. Let me just tell you that right now. Uh, (laughs) Three kids later, and I love him so much. Um, Even when he's annoyed with me. Um, So, yeah, so just be patient with each other and know that it's just gonna be a really fun journey with lots of different seasons that come, you know, into your life. Um, when you have kids, when you're pregnant, if somebody gets sick, like there's going to be ebbs and flows in your sex life. And Hollywood would have you believe that it should be fireworks every single time, but that's unrealistic. And it puts an unrealistic, unhealthy expectation on your partner. So that's part of it. And then the other part is, um, and Julianne, you'll appreciate this. Um, sex begins in the kitchen. Uh, and that was a book title that that was a book, um, title that was on our bookshelf all through when we were growing up. Hold on. That was on your family bookshelf? Yeah. Oh yeah. My mom was all about that book. (laughs) Um, Sex Begins in the Kitchen is basically like a saying that encompasses the fact that you can't just come home after a full day of like not talking to your spouse or treating them like crap and then expect them to want you. (laughs) Like it doesn't work like that. Sex is about service to your partner in the sense that you go home and you do the dishes for them. You, you know, you take out the trash, you fold the laundry, you have, you cook him dinner, you serve each other in those ways so that you can show each other that you're appreciated and loved. And then sex comes much easier when you know that your partner has been trying to, you know, serve you that day. Do you agree? 
Yeah, I totally agree. And our premarital counselor, Dr. Craig Brennan, had it. He said it best when he said, "Intimacy is into me see. It's about knowing your partner inside and out." Yeah, and that's what intimacy is. The drive of intimacy is to be able to know and be fully known. You Ooh, want right? Well, that's a Craig Brennan one as well. Um, man, that guy's smart. I know he's a smart man. So. To know your partner is to know what makes them happy, sad, what ways you can serve them. Um, and to be known is to allow yourself to be vulnerable vulnerable enough to open up to your partner. Yeah. And when two people, I think that we, this was a quote from a book, when two people are under the sheets, naked, except for their wedding rings on, that's when the magic can really happen. If they are, if they know, if they know and are fully known by one another, that's where the magic happens. So red hot monogamy, red hot. That's another book. <laughs> We've read a lot of books in our time. Okay. So let's move on. Even though that was a really fun topic to number three. Yeah, so my number three actually comes with experiences over material things. Now, I don't mean any offense, but I can't remember a single gift you've given me over any anniversary or any birthday. Honestly, the things I remember the most are the experiences we've had and shared together. Whether it's our little day trips we've taken alone or with our kids, those are the things that really make uh, an impact in our marriage and in our life. Yeah, I'm a horrible gift giver. I will totally yeah. own that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I try. It's the heart that counts. But you're right. I do, and I believe that experiences over material things, that's just what I've always gravitated to, and we've found that that's drawn us closer together. So, for example, rather than buying uh, you a really, really expensive watch, although I have done that before, um, a really, really expensive watch, I will take you away to a hotel and have an, a nice dinner together and go on a wine tour or something like that. Like those things, because we get all day for that money that I could have spent on a watch. We get all day together. We get all that time one-on-one. -on -one. And, um, I'm sure it's different depending on your love language or whatever. But for me, that's just always been something that has worked for us and has worked for our marriage. Yeah. And it's been a lot of fun over the years. Yeah, and we've had a lot of great memories because of it. So um, just a little something to think about in that regard. Um, spend lots of time together. I think that that's the bottom line. Okay, my number three is about finances. And this is one of those topics that people have a hard time talking about, even with their spouse. Uh, it's kind of taboo to talk about finances. But Justin and I are, I think some people would almost call us cheap. Do you think that? Um, yeah. <laughs> but we're not cheap. We just really, really think that we, okay, so we feel like finances can become such a huge issue in a marriage that we've always tried to make that a really minimal thing for us. Like, um, we try and carry very little debt. We try and, I mean, honestly, guys, we really don't have any debt other than our home and praise be to God for that. And I would just counsel young married couples to think before making humongous purchases that are going to put you into debt because you will argue about those things when the bills come rolling in and you can't pay them. Or even if you can pay them, other things will take precedence over that and, and it could become a source of tension in your marriage. Yeah. So I think in an effort to lessen the tension and lessen things that you could possibly stumble over with each other. Um, you just be very good stewards of your stewards of your finances. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. And I think it's the number one thing that breaks up a marriage, isn't it? Finance. I think okay. So Gail Vaz Oxley is like 
a guru in this area and finances. And I think that that's what, yeah, she's like my hero um, in that regard. And yeah, she says that apparently this is the number one things that couples split up over. So don't make it an issue in your marriage. Be transparent with each other and try and carry minimal debt so that you have minimal stress in that area. And final one for me, my number four is godly friends and the importance of it. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, the old saying, uh, bad company corrupts good character. And there's actually another saying that says good company cements good morals. Uh, The bad influences actually have a lot of influence in your life. And that's, you know, that's because we're prone to wander, right? Yeah. Prone to wander. Our sinful nature makes us yeah yeah absolutely and so i think that surrounding yourself with people that will strengthen and encourage you now that's not to say that you can't have non-christian friends yeah but yeah. you should have more non you should have more christian friends than non-christian friends because of the amount of influence they will have in your life yeah i think that a good way to put it is that your inner circle your core group of friends yeah. should be bible believing marriage affirming christians that is really important and invest in those people love on them um have them over for dinner, do fun things together. We are so blessed to have so many good couples in our life who we just... Oh, yeah, so blessed. Yeah, we just love them and we think... and, And I just love seeing my friends have spouses that love them. That's really rewarding too, to know that your friends are well taken care of by their spouse. So praise God for godly friends. And I just encourage you, Juliana Thomas, to seek out those godly friends obviously like we'll, we'll be your number one friend, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's so important. Surround yourself with an amazing community. Yeah. Okay. You got a friend in me. All right. Number four, <laughs> yeah, number four for you. And this is a good one to end on. Um, your spouse will never complete you and they cannot do it. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Jerry Maguire got this all wrong. Like, Nobody can complete you but Christ. Unless you have Christ, you will feel incomplete. And when you leave Christ out of your daily routine, you will try to fit your spouse into that God-shaped hole because you'll need something to fill it or you'll fill it with other things. Yeah. But um, nothing will fill it like Christ. So hold each other accountable to reading and praying, reading the Bible and praying um, and make sure that you make that a part of your marriage as well, that, that you do those things together and that you pray often for each other too. Um, and when you try to um, search outside of God for that fulfillment, it, it's a big disaster. And you will feel unfulfilled in your marriage, which leads us back to that whole unhappiness. And we miss the point of marriage then, which is our holiness. Yeah, and when we feel like our spouse is completed, it's it's really an idolatry, right? We're putting them in a place where they don't belong. So Jerry Maguire, we just totally Jesus juked you. Yeah, we did. And exactly. So when you feel like your spouse, you know, they can't complete you. So just know those things. And um, once again, guys, we just love you and we're so excited for you. We can't wait to get the call at 3 a.m. that you guys are married. And we will be praying for you now and for the rest of your days together. And please, please have lots of babies so I can have nieces and nephews. Please. All right. (laughs) We love you guys. Happy wedding day. We thank you for listening to Family on the Rock podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or feel free to visit us on our Facebook page at Family on the Rock. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.